and welcome to Who Corner to Corner podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Jeff, and uh, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, I'm sure you know that by now. And I'm joined, as always, by my other host, Mr. Paul. Yes, hello, that is me. And Paul, once again, we're not alone tonight, are we? No, we are not alone. We do have good company, Jeff. We do. So tonight we're joined by Steve Cole, who uh, is a name that uh, many of you might recognise from many a Doctor Who book, among many other things that uh, he's written as well. Good evening, Steve. Good evening. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, good. Not so bad, not so bad. Ready to (laughs) peer back into the distant past. Yes, put uh, the mists of time. <laughs> mists of time. No, I didn't. I didn't publish that one. Whatever that one. That wasn't. One. No, no, somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Some other hacker did that one. So we've got quite a few questions here tonight, Steve. That um, talk about you and your work and Doctor Who as well. Um, but I'd like to yeah, go back in time. And the first question is: What started your love of reading? <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, that's a good question. Love of Doctor Who is that, huh? Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that's always been in my life. You know, my first memory is uh, Sarah Jane caught in the triangular vent from Ark in Space. Oh. So I can sort of like trace that back to around February 1975. Um, you might be saying, but, <laughs> but Steve, how do you know it wasn't the repeat shown later in the year, 1975? Um, and it possibly could be, in which case my first memory would be... Uh, Tom Baker jumping on the bed from episode one of Revenge of the Sidemen. No, tell a lie. It's the Dalek, <laughs> the Dalek firing at the time ring from Genesis part six. So I was basically watching and, and loving it right from the yeah. start. And um, then uh, when I started uh, learning to read, when I was five, I started getting the uh, Target books. And yeah. I, I know I was five because my mum has filled in the uh, the coupon to... Uh, joined the Target Club at the back of my copy of Doctor Who and the Cybermen by Jerry Davis. And my age is given as five and three quarters. So there you go. And I'd been collecting for a little while then. I remember having to uh, prove to her that I could I could read it by reading the uh, the first page. Because so it was 40p. This was not, you know, wow. this was not a cheap... Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> it wasn't a cheap mm. thing. Standing in, um, in a, I think it was Braggins, this sort of department store we had in Bedford. Yeah. And, uh, and reading... reading um, the origin of the Sidemen or whatever it was. So I remember that to this day. There was a lot riding on it. My performance was important. Luckily, even though I couldn't read half the words, my mum didn't understand science fiction anyway. So she just I just made up a word and she accepted it. So that was that was fair enough. I got away with it. I got my uh, Revenge of the Sidemen and onwards and upwards since then. Brilliant. So, so it was actually the Doctor Who target novels that kind of led you into reading at an early age? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my... my reading habits were basically Doctor Who, Spider-Man comics and Charlie yeah. Brown cartoons. I mean, it was those three really sort of like dominated my my reading as a child. I, I felt it was fairly well balanced, you know, because, you know, Doctor Who always <laughs> won. Uh, Charlie Brown always lost. Uh, and while Spider-Man won the battles, Peter Parker was always losing the war. So, you know, you had like <laughs> all... All you needed was there, really. Um, so that well, I mean, that's it. You, you, you've got the whole human condition. Exactly. It's, all, it's there, right there. It? It's right yeah. there. You've got, and it's, it's interesting, you know, the, uh, the, those were my, my heroes, you know, the, uh, the Peanuts gang and, and the Doctor and uh, Spidey, but also relating much more to Peter Parker. So it was, um, it's interesting that that was, uh, that was how, it, how it kind of like pushed me through prepubescence um, into uh, my teen years. I mean, I was eight years old when Terence Dix came to Bedford Central Library and was talking about 
Doctor Who. That was a that was a big day because Bedford Central Library had a computer that day wow. in 1979. <gasps> what? With a Doctor Who quiz Get on it. Town. Yeah. Wow. And That's amazing. I remember like the it was multiple choice questions. It was like one of them was like what style of dress does the fourth doctor have? And I had no idea. When I think bohemian <laughs> yeah. was an option. I didn't know what bohemian meant. Like, <laughs> I just liked the word the most. So I sort of clicked on it. And I got in the end, I got my score was high. I got very good. You are a Doctor Who expert. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. My life is complete. <laughs> my life is complete. I'm vindicated now. In those, in those wonderful, wonderful days when you're, you're not at all self-conscious about yeah. this and you're running around saying, Mom, Dad, I'm a Doctor Who expert. It's brilliant. Isn't it? <laughs> Rather than, you know, a few years later, trying very hard to keep quiet about it for fear of being laughed at in the playground. But it was... Yeah. <laughs> It was. Uh, we we all go through those phases. Yeah. Yeah. Early days. Yes, it's brilliant. Teenage, late teens, angsty teens, early twenties. Yeah, whatever. Doctor Who. Yeah. Is that- <laughs> and then later on in life, yeah, it's cool. You know, you kind yeah. of accept it and realise that's who you are and what you will always be. What you will always be, indeed, indeed. Yes. When Terence Dix came back to Bedford Library, uh, I was I yeah. think thirteen, um, and not an awful lot changed between the ages of eight and, and thirteen. I still wanted to uh, to be. Terence Sticks, I still wanted to do his job, um, and I still carried on reading the uh, the books even at university. I think the last yeah. the last of Terence's books, the Space Pirates, I remember getting that from the university bookshop. Mm. So things didn't really kind of you know <laughs> things have never changed for me really <laughs> in that regard anyway. <laughs> it's uh, oh sorry, Paul, what were you going to say? No, I, it just reminded me though what Steve was saying of um, an, an encounter I had in WH Smith's in Putney years and years ago. I, I, I was in sixth form and I was uh, hoovering up some of the last of the target ranges they were drawing to a close. And I, I remember buying that. And, um, and and the woman at the till, she kind of looked at it and she looked at me. And I was, yeah, I was like 18, 19, something like that. And, um, and she goes, Doctor Who books? I went, yeah. I've always, always, always been interested in them, always read them. I've got the whole collection. I've got all of them now, you know. And she said, um, yeah. And they a little bit for kids, though. And I said, look, I'm still going to be buying these when I'm 40, when I'm in my 50s. And the weird thing is, I still am. And I love that, you know. You were right. My, my prophecy was made true. <laughs> you, need to, you need to hunt her down and, like, show her. Yeah. It's like, say, see? Say, look at that. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. making it up. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of guy that I am, yeah. <laughs> well, you're in good company. I was going to say, Steve, quite interesting what you said about Spider-Man there and, and relating more to Peter Parker. And I think that's partly why, you know, Spidey is, is arguably the world's most popular superhero because we can relate to, to Peter. You yeah. know, we've all had no money or, you know, lost a girlfriend, been late for the job, got sacked, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's and the, that and part the fact of what that makes Pete, him... That, yeah, and the fact that he, everyone thought he was a coward, and he was running away just to change into Spider-Man and save them. That was the injustice yeah. of it that really burned. Yeah. I used to feel so Yeah, they bad had thing. no idea. Yeah. No, it was, it was terrible. Well, you know, the, it's um, the eternal tragedy of the superhero. It yeah. is, it is. I mean, it's been a tragedy. I mean, I was, I was looking at um, the other day. I, was, I used to get Super Spider-Man with the superheroes every week yeah. um, back in, you know, 1976. And... and obviously onwards in various iterations. My mum would always make me throw out my comics after a while because I didn't have a very big bedroom. And um, But there were two that I held on to, and those two were um, the Gwen Stacy is murdered by the Green Goblin mm. pair, um, from 1976. I was five years old when I read these comics. And that my was mom, a shocker, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It my mum quite traumatising. Yeah, my mum was just thinking, oh, it's just people in you know fancy underwears having fights, you know. But if you read over that, there's like Harry Osborn tripping out on LSD. There's mm. Peter turning his back on him. It's this massive revenge tragedy. Yeah. 
um, violent and raw, and uh, Jerry Conway, who you know, wrote it, is absolutely, it's a remarkable couple of episodes. And I knew that there was something so special about the writing of them. You know, it was a lot of emotions yeah. I didn't understand, but I understood that their importance. And they kind of informed the character of Spider-Man thereon, because although, obviously in America, they were getting one title a month, you know, obviously we were getting them over the weeks, and, you know, it's, it's Peter Parker's grief you know, continued over yeah. over the following many episodes you know and there mm-hmm. was that it was like yeah stuff you know life your life can change and things can people can be taken away that was quite an early an early lesson for that um and so i guess I, at least it kind of slightly prepared me for when sarah jane stayed behind at the end of uh <laughs> <the> fear uh, <laughs> you know, i realized that people could get could get ripped away from you and that was yeah. that was it at least at least sarah was okay and had a stuffed toy for, for company so i knew that she was going to be all right she was going to be all right yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah so steve what uh what specifically led you to want to to write obviously you know you were uh you know a big reader but was there something you know a moment specifically that you thought you know i, I can do this or i want to give it a go well i used to you know write my own doctor who stories you know in pencil in uh you know paper I've still got a lot of them. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, they're, they're great. Let me tell you. Doctor Who and the Mitex Power. Yes. Doctor Who Publish and, it now. and the Auton yeah. Attack. Yeah, all these all these greats. But um, I never... And I used to kind of draw book covers with my name on, you know. But I never really thought that I would be mm. a writer. It wasn't something that, you know, anyone ever mentioned as being a possible job career. So, mm-hmm. in fact, I kind of went into editing. I started off editing children's magazines at the BBC... And I was group editor of preschool titles uh, in 1996 when the Paul McGann TV movie came back. And oh yes, uh, I'd uh, I'd written some little pop up poem books for for kids around then uh, because I was writing stuff for the magazines that I was editing, like Noddy and Pingu and Playdate. <laughs> but uh, upstairs in BBC Books, which were doing the obviously the book versions of these characters, my counterpart was. A lady called Nula Buffini, and she mentioned one day over lunch that uh, they were, BBC Books were taking back the Doctor Who rights from Virgin. Uh, right. um, and I'd been playing it cool, as we were saying earlier. Yeah. We were, <laughs> I was like, Tom Baker, isn't he the fourth Doctor Who? Is, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, playing down yeah, the, exactly, the fan. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, I, I quite like Nula. You know, she was... She was <laughs> yeah. I didn't want her didn't thinking uh, the worst of me. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> And gradually, well, you, were to- you preferred Tom Baker over Peter Davison. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I got—I kind of, was—I so was playing very dumb. Um, and uh, but she asked me if I would uh, help um, with the uh, slush pile because they were yeah. being inundated with it. Everyone who'd had their Virgin book turned down had sent it to the BBC, but to that revision. <laughs> so there was a lot of a lot of stuff to wade through. And um, then I sort of found out that Nuda was—you know—she was being overwhelmed by the sheer volume of yeah. Doctor Who stuff. And I, and they would be advertising the job, um, so I had to kind of come clean in the end and say I actually know a bit more about this than I've let on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, the the full horror came out. Uh, but the thing was, um, in magazines, I was you know, to the outside yeah. world, I was doing well. I'd uh, I was on the senior executive grade, and I was you know managing a team of twelve. And here I was wanting to take a pay cut and a grade cut to go and work on Doctor Who. And mm. while I while I, you know, argued 
oh, it's it's a career sidestep. You know, I understand that. You know, I've got less experience in this media. It's a good opportunity to get experience and books and video and audio. I mean, this is these could be invaluable skills that will sort of like tie me along. Whereas inside, I'm going, it's Doctor Who, for heaven's sake, Doctor Who, because I'm going to do it. Um, Your soul is screaming. <laughs> that's, that's right. Give me the job. Give me the job. That's right. I had to, and you had, I had to do, um, you know, had to test. You know. Yeah. I had to uh, read. Um, the synopsis of, uh, or the pitch of one of the books, and say whether I would accept it or reject it, and give reasons Ooh. why. And so uh, got you know, the synopsis, and I turned it down um, with a very considered and hopefully conciliatory letter with it. And mm. they said, "Well done." By the way, that book you turned down is coming out in May or, or oh. whatever, whatever it was. So uh, I, uh, I never, I never got back to that author and uh, and told them that I'd already <laughs> rejected my work cruelly uh, and now had to edit it. But so this is the roundabout way of saying that I kind of it was happenstance that led yeah. me um, falling into the the writing um, because I had to do obviously some writing as well, um, not just the copy, but I would have to um, you know as well as editing, I would have to uh, come and you know, rewrite sections mm. or, uh, you know, bits that I wanted to, uh, to carry forward over sort of, you know, set up arcs and things. Some authors needed more rewriting than others. Um, and but it was a skill set you had to learn really. So, um, yeah, yeah. and also it's that old, it's that old Barry Letts thing, you know, so don't, don't ask people to do stuff you're not prepared to do yourself. So I felt that I had to kind of, you know, get involved. And by that point I'd had a few more children's books published. Um, so this was, very different experience um it was uh obviously writing for uh for doctor who was one of the ways i started off i wrote uh, quite a lot of um tv and film tie-ins back in the start of my career yeah, yeah. Um, before writing more of my original fiction but so doctor who was was a really good learning ground for me not just in editing which i would go on to do mm. as, um in for lady bird and for um simon and schuster later on working on yeah. the fiction list there um, but obviously, it was uh, it was great to be helping push Doctor Who through uh, uncharted waters and working with Terence Dix. You know, I could have said to him, "Hey, Tezza, when I saw you at the at the library those times, <laughs> little did we realise that uh, that we'd be working together on uh, on, yeah. on still on Doctor Who, the only prison where you get time on for good behaviour." Just as he said, <laughs> just that, as he that said. must have been quite a moment then. So, so just just going back to the start of those Eighth Doctor adventure novels, then. So obviously, the the, the Virgin. How new adventures have been quite popular among the, the the fan base, and Virgin must have been thinking, "Yeah, we're on to a good one here." And then, lo and behold, along comes the evil corporation to take it all back as soon as it looks like it's going to be over in the US and everything else. Sorry, that's a very cynical way to look at it. I wasn't really where I was going with this. But. <laughs> no, it's it, it's fine. It's it's, a, it's an interesting one though because yeah, people have have often portrayed the BBC as 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 sort of like a bad guy coming along uh, and sort of taking back the license. Um, obviously. It was a business decision because yeah. Doctor Who was coming back on telly, um, and it's one of the few. It's, I think it's one of only two properties that the BBC mm. owns outright. The other being Top Gear, um, and so to have full control over Doctor Who in mm. books and video and audio, and you know, having, being able to provide a unified look across the range, was you know sound business practice uh, to make. Doctor Who a stronger presence in the market so mm. there was never any case that 
that Virgin had messed up or it was like, mm. well, let Virgin carry it through the wilderness years and snatch it back at the last minute. I mean, there wasn't that level of competence, <laughs> you know, or, <laughs> or, or forward planning to make that happen. You know, it was, it was purely that, uh, that this was back, it, was, it would be considered a, a, yeah. a great property for, for children and so it would operate out of um, children's books. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah. the books we did were not children's books. Um, mm. We um, ended up taking uh, Newland decided that we would basically just inherit the same the same range that Virgin had, had put up. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. that was a bit that bothered me. That was a bit that I felt was unfair because I felt right. we should have gone in doing something totally different, or you know maybe a little series of shorter books or, or linked books or, or okay, variety of different yeah. different things. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think that we should have just picked up a missing doctor a month and an eighth doctor book a month. Mm. I didn't feel that was that was really the thing to do. Especially as yeah, I was the yeah. only person working on It's a lot of reading, a lot of editing. I mean it was ridiculous, you know. I mean I mean Virgin had uh, they had Bex, they had Simon, they had Peter yeah. all working as a team on, on each title. Um, and I had me and eventually when I begged I had one freelance assistant yeah. One, day, one day a fortnight originally that was uh, oh, that wow. was uh, my my help and I was doing all the videos yeah. and I was doing all the audios as well oh, um, oh my goodness. so it was yeah it was it was a, you know, a fairly intense uh, level of work and people yeah, said yeah, to me yeah. you know you'll be like a child in a sweet shop you know you'll have Doctor Who the whole time <laughs> of course you know you, if you glut on Eat anything sweet, yeah, you, yeah, you end up feeling quickly. a little bit yeah you get a little bit yeah. sick yeah. Um, but yes, you. I think before I started, uh, we sidetracked onto uh, onto the cynical uh, virgin territory. You were about to mention uh, Terence Sticks and uh, how that In, was indeed. at the beginning of the yeah, the, the exactly that. So, so I mean, I, I, I'm I'm guessing that all those titles in the early days, you commissioned all of them. There weren't any that had already been pre-commissioned. You built the whole range up from scratch. No, no, no. I uh, Nula had been busy. She um, had ah, she had okay. got. Um, this is what I mean. This is why. When I came into it, um, yeah. I regretted not being... So the wheels were already turning. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. we had the first... I think the first book I commissioned was Alien Bodies by Lawrence Miles, <gasps> which was um, November's book. Um, and I remember I'm going to talk to you about that one in a second. <laughs> don't, don't let me forget. I won't. I won't. Who could forget Alien Bodies? And um, so... And the thing was, Paul McGann had only been the Doctor for one yeah. story. And mm. unlike... Sylvester McCoy's Doctor, where it had been a very... The direction it was moving in was mm. was clear from season 26, and by having the likes of Andrew Cartmel uh, scripting and Ben Aronovich, you had people you know who, who were continuing a plan. Yeah. When McGann came along, it was very different, and I think everyone had different views. All the writers had different views of which bits to push. There were some saying, let's never ever mention that he's half human again. And other people are saying, this is amazing, it's half human, we need to make more of it. Get, you know, get so rid of that. Mind yeah. that. That's right. And, and, uh, novels out and someone one. will say, oh, well, Sam is a, you know, we've got a schoolgirl as yeah. a companion, we're not happy with her. And other people say, no, Sam's great, you can push her in this way. And say, no, let's kill off Sam and do that. So it was, there was, trying to get everyone pulling in the yeah. right direction was, was, was quite tricky, especially as um, those books had been commissioned and I could only really react to the manuscript coming in. And because we were doing two, 80,000 word novels every month mm. apart from December um, that's like 22 a year it means it's a lot. it means you're not yeah you're not really left with a lot of freedom to uh, to change too much you uh, yeah, yeah. you kind of like you you have to to have the next two titles uh, out I used to I used to think you know God what if, yeah. what if I just 
went and sat in the toilet and never came out again. <laughs> you know, it's like people people <laughs> probably no no people probably wouldn't <laughs> notice the other side and say, "Hang on, shouldn't we, shouldn't we have had another four Doctor Who books out by now?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he's been in there for two months. Yeah, it's, exactly. What's going on? Um, I'm reading the slash. That's right. It must be a really long one. Yeah, that was, that was, that was the thing. So yeah, there was there was a lot going on, but um, and I don't think I would have started the range with uh, the eight Doctors. I mean, much as I love Terence, yeah. I didn't feel I didn't feel that it was the right message we should have been sending out, but um, especially when How? tonally it was so different from what followed. Yeah. You know, Vampire Science comes out the very next month, and it's like an entirely different mm. uh, thing. So, but there was there was no way to smooth that over. You, you can kind of see why, in, in some ways. I mean, I, I kind of saw it as uh, Terence Dick's obviously quite a really popular, well-known author, mm. certainly with the fan base. Absolutely. Comes along, writes the first novel. It's going to drive some numbers, isn't it? Mm. But I was really... I, I, I remember reading it, because I I'd kind of fallen out of favour with the with the Virgin New Adventures. I I, I devoured the early the early releases, mm. uh, the early titles, and then sort of just kind of just just left it. And I never never got up to Long Barrow or any of those later ones, no, Dying Days. And I wish I had now because they'd be worth a fortune. But <laughs> so when when the when the Eighth Doctor, the BBC books came along, I thought, okay, this it's kind of a reset. And I remember yeah. picking up it's a new jumping on point. Yeah, that's it. And I, and I started reading, I thought, okay, so we're... I mean, straight away within the first page, we, we've ditched the TV movie completely. We're away from that gorgeous set. We're, we're back in the white-panelled console room of familiar territory. And it's kind of a rehash of all Terence Dix's favourites and some of his own stuff in there yep. as well. And I thought, okay, we'll just we'll go with it. I enjoyed it. It was all right. But it was a kind of a best bits of. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Along comes Vampire Science. And, and we're almost back into the sort of style of the Virgin New Adventures. Exactly, and yeah. Coming and on I, from there. And I think if the TV movie had developed into a series, then mm. the books would have been shorter and younger and, you know, much as the Target books were. Um, to yeah, uh, to catch because yeah. the the whole point of it was to catch the uh, the wave of children who'd be brought to mm. it um, because Doctor Who needed to expand its range and I think Virgin mm. even at the time Virgin was saying that you know if we had to have the license you know taken back it was this was probably the best time because numbers had been yeah timing was good yeah numbers had been dwindling and um, mm. they uh, although there was a there was a big spike with uh, with eight Doctors um, I think maybe because people perceived it as being more I mean, more like the Virgin books, right down to yeah, the same yeah. authors that, um, you know, it, it changed in look, but not in substance. And yeah. I always wish that there had been, you know, we could have surprised people and come in with, you know, with a with a, a really cool and big idea that would have would have played out. Um, just needed a bit more planning and a bit more, um, mm, mm. rather than, oh, the fans love old monsters, let's give them old monsters, you know, which I think was, I think was kind of slightly the feeling at the, at the time. But, you know, as I say, it was no, no offence to Terence. I think Terence did, mm. uh, you know, Terence is Terence. He was slightly late delivering. Um, it, was, it was not edited under ideal circumstances. Um, they were still setting up my desk. I had two, <laughs> two computers, none, none of, neither of which worked. Um, I used to have this really annoying IT guy would just sort of like come yeah. in and just say adjust your cable sir because he knew that I always had my screen was meant to be coloured it was black and white and he'd like fiddle with the cable wait, and wait. it would all sp- flicker and sparkle and say what are you doing it's like stop, don't make fun of me while I'm sort of sat here trying to it's like you've given me this crap you know I'm trying to I'm trying to make the best of it um, so, I'm just still getting over the fact you had an IT guy who called you sir I mean I've, I've yeah. never known that in oh, all my days it was only it was it was a sarcastic sir it wasn't a real uh, so, oh, that's all right. yeah, a condescending <laughs> one yeah yeah, that's yeah. Right, <laughs> so so 
am, am I correct in thinking then that you discovered Lawrence Miles with um, Alien Bodies? No, I didn't discover him. He'd already done Christmas on a Rational Planet for Virgin. Um, ah, of course, he had. I, yeah. See, I hadn't read that. I'd fallen out. That's you'd fallen out by then. That's right. No, I, I had as well. I was when um, you know I, I loved the synopsis and yeah. and when it came in, it was I was thinking, yeah, this is this is the stuff. Um, Lawrence was really good at uh, you know high concept stuff that was kind of written with this kind of intellectual relish. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah. it was kind of like a slightly kind of coldly clever. <laughs> intelligence behind all he does. I, I thought it was an astonishing novel, honestly. Yeah. I remember reading that thinking, this now is, is it, the, the whole range seems to be turning in a different direction. It's like a real turn left moment. Mm. You know, we'd had a few titles and they're kind of, you know, they're good, they're okay, they're, they're readable, they're, they're, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're what you'd expect. Along comes Alien Body, it's like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> this is this is something else. The, the, the prose style, the, I mean, the story itself is really something. The prose style is is elevated and it, it's one of those you either love or you hate, yeah. I think. You either get on with it or you don't. And the structure as but well the, with the interludes, you know, it's all very Yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, it felt like um, something I'll be reading at university. It, like you said, that high concept, intellectualized kind of thing. But at the time, I I, I loved all that. So, yeah, so, no, it was a very so it was a very was cool a book. Fun. I felt that you know this was this was what I wanted to be uh, to doing this sort of thing. So um, mm. it was just you know it was just it was tricky to to get everything you wanted when you're having to put out so much so quickly without mm. much time to think. Because yeah. you know I. I I did the job, you know, during the day, but there wasn't time for any of the actual editing. And considering the the job was meant to be the editing, that <laughs> the was editing. what made it <laughs> made it difficult. You know, you'd only really have enough time to uh, yeah. just barely keep things ticking over, and then you'd be reading. I developed quite a good facility for editing while drunk on the uh, on the tube. <laughs> you know, sort of like going in and, uh, and just meeting a friend, and then sort of like coming back late at night. I'd be thinking, oh my, oh my god, what. I was in a real state last night. Well, then I, well, I found out that actually looking back, I was saying, "Oh, actually, that's a pretty good edit." Um, so it was, it was all right. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that was something, I guess. Um, but you yeah. know, I made I made so many good friends through it. Um, mm. So many people that I'm friends with today, and uh, also in touch. We're still working with some of them, um, which is which is really nice because yeah, yeah. obviously I never expected to uh, to come back as the BBC Books Range Consultant, but. Uh, the universe works in works in mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. That's for sure. So you um, so, so you did that job for was it two years? Yeah, about two years. I think yeah. I, I think I surrendered the missing adventures first to Justin mm. Richards, so I could focus on on the eighth, and then we had the handover to Justin when Peter Angelides and I wrote the Ancestor Cell, uh, and Justin was writing the Burning. So. Yeah. Obviously, I edited the burning for him after he edited the ancestor cell for me, but you know, Justin and I were always, I've always been really good mates, and and yeah, yeah, you know, and have worked together, written together, uh, commissioned each other. So it's yeah, it was uh, there was no one else I could really think. I was if I if Justin had said no, I would probably still have stayed with it because yeah, it yeah. needed someone who had the uh, you know. The, the skill set to be able to do it and the mm. broadness of approach to embrace different approaches and styles and and genres just like Doctor Who always has so mm. um yeah at least I knew that I was leaving it in safe hands and that it would it would keep keep going so it was it was probably your um Terrence Sticks handing over to Robert Holmes type moment <laughs> it was it was <laughs> exactly that it was 
it was it was much like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Only a fan would understand. <laughs> yes, that's, that's sad but true. But <laughs> but yes, uh, neither of us smoked a pipe. But apart from that, the uh, the, anal- the analogy holds beautifully true. So, <laughs> so how did well? After the, the TV movie, and then you know you, you were doing the books, and then you you kind of stepped away from that role. What, what did you do next bef- before between then and the show coming back in two thousand and five? And how did you get back involved with with things then? Well, um, I still I didn't you know say goodbye to the list entirely. I mm. stayed on actually. I was still doing the typesetting for each book um, because that was you know obviously a, a part of it, and I'd proofread them quite often or copy edit them. Um, basically, trying to help out Justin because they it always needed yeah, turning yeah. around so quickly. So if I could, you know, do a couple of books a month, that was you know, that was I was happy doing that, and it meant that I was able to sort of like keep an eye on things. Every now and then, I'd have to write one for for Justin as well, which was which was perfectly nice. But uh, basically, I I started off Doctor Who didn't really belong in the children's department because no, they weren't I... making children's books, and because it wasn't coming back. Everyone was slightly embarrassed about it, so I, I found the Doctor Who list was sort of shunted around quite a lot. We were right. we were sent off um, to uh, the Smeg uh, area, which was a sports, motoring, and entertainment group. Um, <laughs> Do you think because, they planned that? that because night? well, because in Smeg uh, they also had Red Dwarf, and that was the only other Sweet. science fiction, the only <laughs> other science fiction the BBC had. So. They thought, well, yeah, we'll, we'll stick him in with that. So I was in sports, motoring, and entertainment, and so the stick publisher him in with the smaggots. <laughs> That's right, but also with the top kit lot as well, because uh, you know the uh, producer Stuart Snaith was, oh, he was, yeah. he was, he was always mildly um, intrigued slash nonplussed by Doctor Who being on his bottom line. <laughs> um, but he was, he was, he was a good chap. Um, yeah. But then they moved out of there as well because they didn't want it either. And we actually, for a time, we worked out a factual. If you can believe that, right? I said, really? you, you realize this is about you know a nine hundred year old time lord with two hearts, or sort of like <laughs> traveling around time and space in a police box. It's not really that factual. Well, I suppose a police box was real, wasn't it? You yeah, could, that bit you was know, real, and it was made by the tangible, BBC. Maybe that yeah. bit was, was claim real. it as factual. Yeah, so you know, extent. it was. I kind of i i uh, i left them to it by really, and I I stayed doing um children's uh, tie-ins at the BBC, and then I. Yeah. Jumped ship to uh, work for Ladybird, and but I, you know I carried on on a freelance basis really. Um, then I jacked in Ladybird and became a freelance writer editor. Mm. Um, and so Justin would uh, offer me bits and pieces, and obviously then I heard that it was coming back because I'd had experience of steering the range, um, and Jack Rayner had experience of working with me and Justin yeah. on steering the range. Um, Justin brought the two of us in to write the first three novels for the, the yeah. new series because they knew that we wouldn't we were safe to trust and not blab it around the place because you know, <laughs> we had we had form in that area um, and yeah it was very exciting I remember the first time I went down to meet Russell was the uh, the day the first rushes came in so mm. we were with Russell when he was watching the um, oh, the pig. pig yeah, yeah. <laughs> come into sight with Eccleston saying hello to it and thinking yeah that's pretty doctorish um <laughs> and then and that, you know, that must have been exciting Did, could you was, uh not quite believe that it you know well like like everyone really but that it was back and that you were getting to be be involved in it in those early mm. stages no it was absolutely extraordinary you know and mm. what was lovely as well was that 
Russell wanted to the, the tie-ins to be absolutely the best they could be and to yeah, give them access yeah. access to everything. So um, I remember him saying, we're not doing an alien planet in the first season because we don't mm. want all the jokes about quarries and mm. and all the rest. So would you like to take Rose to her first alien planet in your book? Um, and I was like, yeah, go on then. Um, and... <laughs> And I was asked if I would I'll use... i do that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he was asked if yeah, I'd I'll, use I'll the Slippin. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like, oh, are you kidding me? Of course. And they yeah. gave us the scripts and they showed us the uh, rough cuts of the episodes as they came in. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I still have memories of watching these these early rough cuts of Rose with... Um, Slithine. Um, with, yeah, with Republica um, playing Ready to Go over the scenes of the Doctor and Rose racing oh, to yeah. um, wow. London Eye and with... Um, Different, yeah. different effects there and actually they they had a kind of a weird version of the Tom Baker title sequence uh, topping and tailing them because the new sequence wasn't hadn't been oh, finished right. yet so wow. they were very much works in progress yeah. but uh, it was very exciting seeing the first new Doctor Who of the 21st century uh, yeah, being in yeah. the, uh, the privileged place. position yeah. yeah but then when I found out uh, in the script for Boomtown that Russell had referenced um, the alien planet <laughs> from The Monsters yeah. Inside, my, my Eccleston book. Um, I couldn't quite believe it. And it was kind of weird that Rose calls it Justicia, and yeah. I'd, always, I'd always called it Justicia, and I thought, I've been, corre- I've been corrected on how to say my own <laughs> alien planet by a fictional character. Because uh, now it, it is Justicia, because cause Rose says so. And I thought, there's, only, canon now. there's yeah. only Doctor Who in which this could ever happen. It's brilliant. Mm, it's absolutely yeah, like, brilliant, you know, that you can be corrected by Rose herself <laughs> on how to say a, a planet you made up. I mean, I, I love that. Yeah. Do you, do you um, know, I, I, didn't, um, I didn't know there was that reference uh, to, to one of the books, because I always thought that the, the books were never sort of, well, you know, referenced in, in the show at all. But then there was one reference in... Series two, season two, where Ten and Rose mentioned going to Rome or something, which I thought was a reference to the Stone Rose. Do you remember that oh, one? Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, could have been. Or it could have been a reference to the Romans. Uh, yeah, it, just, yeah, it could have just been something that's, random. But I was like, ooh. Yeah. That's, but, that's interesting. But, well, actually, Monsters Inside was because um, I invented the Blatherine for that as well. And the Blatherine ended up yeah, turning up in course. the Sarah Jane yeah, Adventures. They did. Um, yeah. Because mainly because Gary Russell thought that Russell had invented the blathering, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's how was, these things are maybe. <laughs> that's, that's right. So and yeah, by contract had there was nothing you know I had no rights in, in yeah, anything anyway. Yeah. But it was it was quite fun. I think that book to be meant the planet mentioned by Rose and for the blathering to turn up in the Doctor Who spin-off makes Monsters Inside the most canonical of all the novels ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just by by odd happenstance. So it's yeah, that you, wonderful you, universe. You can argue too. that the others are. And not canon, but yeah, right. if you want to, but you can't argue that that. <laughs> no one is... can tell me. That's right. No one can tell me. Yeah, Rose yeah no one can deny Rose that. Rose right. Yeah. She says it's all very well going to Justicia or somewhere else, but yeah, that's 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 my planet. That's pretty. Yeah, cool. brilliant. That's, that's, so, quite, that's quite interesting. Eh? I, to be honest, that that's the only one of those three books that I've uh, that, that I've read. Well, I'll that's, that, that's it. it I, I bought the three of them. I read yours, and uh, and I didn't bother reading the others. Not for any reason. <laughs> I, just, I, I put you off. I put Not you that off it the turned me off them or yeah. anything like that. <laughs> that's a great advert, isn't it? For, for the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well done, Paul. Yeah, uh, I, I, I remember right, reading. Um, you want me to put my foot in it? I'll do it. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I've I've read loads of of those new ones and um, getting. Uh, 
we'll come come back to them in a minute. But it's it's a bit of a shame that um, you know there hasn't been any more in in the last couple of years. You know, after the the first three with with Jodie's Doctor, yes, um, you know, Co- Combat Magics was mm. great, and and that that whole trio was was brilliant. Um, oh. You you read one, didn't you, Paul? You read the Good Doctor. Um, yes. We looked at that. We were going to discuss yeah, it on a podcast one. episode. Yeah, Juno's one, but we, we Juno never... Dawson. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, so it was. They That's were really good. good. So like yeah, oh. um, and and Combat Magics was great. And uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an interesting one doing uh, doing those three because we it was a very stark difference from how yeah the the very first ones had gone because back with Eccleston we were we were given obviously access to all the scripts and all mm. the footage and we actually had the proper TV script editors working with us on our on our title oh, so okay. I had Helen yeah. Rayner was um, editing it for the BBC for me um, to make sure that it was you know in line with with what they wanted to do and mm. uh, and Elwyn the uh, the other script editor was was working on a couple of the others I think um, and when we came to do Combat Magics and Molten Heart with Una McCormack and yep. Juno's uh, Good Doctor, we were given most of one script mm. and absolutely nothing else. So, really? oh, wow. So we actually, we were given like a crib sheet of telling us how the characters would behave with each other, yeah. but we weren't given the chance to see how that would work. So we were essentially all pitching our characterizations slightly differently. And I was editing them and I could see, oh, Una's making making her a bit more northern, um, or, yeah. or Juno's doing uh, you know, this or there, and all the characters were, were just slightly different, so we were able to smooth them out at the edit stage. Um, mm-hmm. is, um, uh, Gabby working there on approvals was, was there to help with that. But it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting times. I think we could have, it would be more reassuring to actually have more, <laughs> more to go on, but I think we did an all <laughs> yeah. right job. Yeah, definitely. Do you know, and, and Paul and I, because I reread The Good Doctor, and you read it for your first time, didn't you? And I said, actually, looking at, at it now, and, and I should go back and read the others and, and see, but it, it felt very Chibnall-like in, in its themes and its styles, didn't it, Paul? You know, and, and actually, we really felt like, you know, we could have seen this one on, on screen. Mm. Yeah, you know, it really with, had with the, that, the that topic and, that. you know. So yeah, I think, yeah, you, you know, you said you think you kind of got it all quite well. Yeah, I think, you know, it, they did work, um, bearing in mind how little you had to to go off for them you know <laughs> yeah. so um what, what do you think was the the reason for that you know secrecy or just not yeah you know, very stuff much not... so very much really? so. It, was, it was really just not wanting to have too many spoilers um mm. which has been mm. kind of a hallmark of of the chibnall era i suppose yeah, yeah. well you know must but, must say but both of us have you know and, and many others that we know have you know have really liked that and uh you know remember in series 11 they they put out little synopsis for the first four or five episodes and then we got to week five and i thought I have no idea what's coming next week. How exciting! <laughs> it you know, is and, nice uh, when you don't know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it mm, is. And definitely. you know, the, the secrets that they've managed to keep has has been brilliant. You know, Ooh. so yeah, That's right. some no, people it's, don't it's, like it's it. And, yeah, you know, I mean, it's. I think it's it's a it's a fine line to cross because you know, mm. fine line to balance, shall we say? Because you either give away too much and you've spoiled mm. all your all your best bits. Or you might sometimes lose some of the word of mouth that could have uh, boosted it and made sure mm. it's kind of seen more. Um, but um, for licensees, anyway, it was you know it was slightly it wasn't you know, tricky as such. But it was I yeah. remember rather than when we were asked to uh, to pitch stories um, for it, we weren't told what might conflict. We were asked to generate more stories than we needed, so they could then tell us if there okay. was a problem oh, yeah. with those. So. 
uh, Juno had the um, the idea for the Good Doctor and another story. Um, I put together three or four stories, and yeah. we we chose Combat Magics and Molten Heart, which um, Una picked up and and ran with. Um, so it was, uh, but yeah, there was. We were we were told specifically that from now on, Doctor Who would not be, you know. Flaunting its wares in public, right. <laughs> and they were they were travelling to uh, overseas so they could film away from uh, the more organised fandom. Uh, and yeah, you yeah. can see you can see extras are right down that season as well. It's like it's it's really a show being with the the bare minimum of, of characters yeah. on screen. A lot of those stories are actually fairly yeah, good, fairly small casts. Yeah, because I think they're, they're that worried about about the secrets getting out. Um, so yeah, it was it was. An interesting way of doing it, and um, it coincided mm. with me coming back to the range after Justin decided that he was going to take some time out, um, and <laughs> with 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 shocking originality, they they came <laughs> to me. I uh, I, <laughs> I took I took over from it. So really, I passed him the baton. He yeah. held on to it for well over a decade, and then sort of like passed yeah. it back again. Um, Fifteen <laughs> years, probably. Uh, so yeah, that was that was quite a nice continuity and nice to be joining at uh, the start of a new era. And um, it was just nice having different, um, yeah, different approaches, different uh, ways of doing it. And we kind of moved from the um, from doing the more straightforward like sets of adventures mm-hmm. to doing more event books, um, like we did the the Sophie Aldred book, which was yeah. a different way of combining oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll with, talk um, about that the classic a series um, so there was Star Tales as well wasn't there was that what it was Star called Star Tales which, yes that's right yeah that was a lot yeah, of fun that one stories. yeah I yeah. enjoyed writing uh, one of those the Houdini one um, um, and of course she has a couple of stories in the uh, the Target storybook as well mm, yeah um, so yeah and of course um, Joy Mongerson did a f- beautiful job novelising The Witchfinders yes yes that was too. brilliant yeah so um that was, yeah, that there's was been a lot of really good stuff for for this era. Just it it, uh, it it felt like the others had more. But when I suppose actually when you step back and look at it, like you're saying, you had the event books. It probably was mm. an equivalent amount, really. Mm. Um, just you know, everyone loves those, you know, the little hardbacked, yeah. you know, ones yeah, exactly. that, that they were doing. Yeah, I think I think though the trouble is that when you have when you do the same thing for every time a doctor comes along, there reaches a point yeah. where you know. You want to do something a bit different. Um, mm, that happened with twelve, it, didn't it? Where you did the uh, uh, the glamour uh, chronicles series. You know, I remember people saying, "Oh, which one do you need to read first in out of yeah. those three? And then yeah. they did um, the the audios, which were you know the the winter series, and then there was the the lost series as well, Lost Angel, Lost Planet, and stuff like That's that. And right, they all yeah. kind of stood alone but connected as well, which was quite yeah. fun. And that was yeah, that was before. Just before I I came along, yeah. so I was glad that they were yeah just trying it out in different different areas, mm. different directions. And there was that lovely master story collection we did as well to, uh, to yeah. coincide with uh, with Spyfall. Um, yeah. So it was yeah of course doing Scratchman with Tom Baker was was yeah was, yeah was yeah, yeah. How, how was that? Uh, yeah, that was that was great fun. <laughs> um, I mean, it, an example of of how of how you can have the best day of your life and the worst day of your life yeah. simultaneously was oh, when, really? <laughs> when I went down with um, Albert, the Albert de Petrillo, the uh, publisher, publishing director, yeah. and James Goss, who was going to be um, working with Tom on the manuscript. We went down to uh, Tom's preferred pub in Rye, 
and um, we're all sitting <laughs> yeah, there. He does, he's talking. not too far from me. I'm in Horsham. He's uh, oh, right, he's, yeah. he's not a million miles away. Yeah, no, not at all. And um, we were all sitting there thinking, oh my God, I feel so nervous. And then you hear this booming voice saying, have they arrived already? And you go, oh, Tom, <laughs> Tom's here already. And you go, and of course he comes in, he holds court and he's he's magnificent and we're all so excited. We're of like course. we're like little schoolboys giggling in <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the great man's stories, you know. And then uh, we say goodbye to Tom after you know working out approaches and timings yeah. and, and how we'll how we'll deal with it. And Albert and James and I decide to go off to a restaurant um as we're there and order some oysters. Um it was my first time with oysters. Um, um. either I have a serious oyster allergy, or there was something not very good with these oysters. But I was oh, no. I was flying off to um, to Scotland uh, that afternoon. Oh, later that afternoon, no, yeah, because I was doing uh, some events for my my children's books. Um, oh man! But uh, yeah, started in the lounge beforehand. The stomach gripe started. It was like, uh oh, and then things just got seriously worse and worse. And I was like, <laughs> I was so unwell on the plane of the. Uh, Air crew were like giving me cold flannels and sick bags, and I was thinking, "How did this happen?" I was having the best time of my life, yeah, and, you know, just before lunch with Tom Baker, you know, a private audience with, and, and I was yeah. exactly. I remembered he was bohemian. He still looked bohemian with his with his with his little. That, that is the universe oh, unfairly no. kicking you in the butt. Yeah, for, yeah. And you know, it's like he said, good... he's had far too much fun. You know, we have to yeah. we have to go yeah. and stop him. You know. Yeah, that's karma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why should why should he be allowed to have fun with Tom Baker? No, we'll stop that. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Put that to a stop. Yeah. That's right. And you know what? <laughs> and I'll be on a plane in a minute. <laughs> and as I was, I was, I was on the plane going to Sterling. I was yeah. thinking about the oyster, and I just kept thinking about that giant clam in Genesis of the Daleks yeah. that, that Tom, that Harry gets his foot stuck in. I was thinking, it's that, it's that bloody thing come to get me. That's what it is. It's the spirit oh, of that. No. Tom conjured it somehow. I swear it was him. <laughs> The but mutant clam the beast. Mutant clam the beast. That's right, and it got me. It got me big time. Oh got, it got you. Um, so, Steve, I w- want to go back uh, again a little bit. And uh, one of the questions we had was, how did you, how did books like Feast of the Drown and Sting of the Zygons come about? And uh, you know, how did you kind of get back involved in in the range in, in those? Uh, well, you you spoke about with Eccleston, but you know, d- did you pitch all those ideas, or did they have? stuff that they said you know this this is what we're thinking how, how did it work with with all of them the way it would work would be um just would normally say we'll have a past a present and a future story you know which which uh-huh. was pretty much laid out in you know, russell's first series and you can mm. see similar the pattern repeats um you know the one you might start off in the present day and then you'll have a, a past story and then you'll have a future story well, they did it in from, almost from, every series, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. Right um, from the very start of it yeah. in 1963, <laughs> David Whittaker, he did exactly the same thing, didn't he? Well, this is it. You know, it's a way of showing your your format, your unique format. Mm, you know, indeed. so it all makes sense. So I guess I was. I remember being asked if I would do a, a second one for Eccleston, but I was I was too busy, so I couldn't. Yeah. But then the idea of you know writing one for the uh, the tenant doctor, and again, it was wonderful because. We got to go along and watch uh, Christmas Invasion um, with Ooh. half the effects scenes missing and um, <laughs> and then watch uh, New Earth and yeah. Tooth and Claw, um, which was very exciting, uh, yeah. all, in, all in one day um, in Cardiff. Wow. Um, and, but I think I just, uh, I, I, I pitched a, a story and 
it was it was quite a miserable story. I think it was <laughs> Feast of the Drowned actually started <laughs> off being um, set in World War Two, and it was basically you know we we have, we've told so many stories about the Blitz and you know how yeah. it was for for Britain the Second World War, but mm. we kind of forget about you know the the British bombing raids on Germany, and so I was gonna I was trying to find out something about whether they had uh, you know. Mm. An evacuees program, or or what what was happening in Germany at, at that time, and maybe it would be good to tell a story from you know, from that point of view rather than always from the British point of view. Mm. Um, but I think it ended up being so sombre. I think um, Helen Vane said, "This is miserable. We, we need, yeah, we need we need you know, <laughs> Doctor Who is, uh, is about you know, sort of a, a fun and exciting journey as well as, yeah. as the dark stuff." Um, and I think Russell says, "I'm like, oh, let's make it a secret base underneath the Thames." Um, <laughs> And so I duly made it a secret base underneath the Thames. Um, and, and I guess he probably thought it's such, it's such fun having secret bases under the Thames would have been Runaway Bride as well. So, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and he was actually right, it was. <laughs> it was. It was great. Um, so you would get, I mean, I just loved the fact that you would get, you know, feedback from yeah. the people working on the show to help you um, make your book the best it could be. So, you know, they gave you the scripts, they gave you, I think the script for School Reunion was, was outstanding mm. and reading that approach. I mean, I'd watched Casanova with Tennant and thought, even watching that, this guy would be a brilliant Doctor Who. Mm. Um, and so when he was made and, you know, continued the same voice and the same attitudes, well, some of the same attitudes. Much, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, not, yeah. Not quite as much... Uh, <laughs> Hank, Hank, no, of the hanky panky and the TARDIS, but, yeah. but but a little, but not some, that they showed, yeah, some, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was I was delighted, and uh, then it was great yeah, yeah. to um, to. I was just yeah, Justin very kindly uh, kept asking, and and I kept saying yes at least until um, after Sting of the Zygons, they um, mm. the BBC had worked out. Hold on a minute. Historically, we've always offered a royalty on Doctor Who books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fine in the old days when they weren't earning out and <laughs> we didn't have to pay the authors yeah. any extra money. <laughs> but when Doctor Who was that popular, of course, the royalties were worth you know, a, a good amount. A lot more. Yeah, yeah. a very good amount. And it, I'm surprised it took them as many books as it did before they said, hang on, these people will write these books even if we don't give them all that extra money. And, of course, uh, of course they did. But they didn't, they didn't change the, uh, the amount of the advance to, uh, to compensate. Yeah. So I, I felt, especially as you know, they were... They were lovely books to do, but they weren't advancing my career at that point because I was very busy doing, um, you know, the the children's stuff. And so I thought, well, mm. it's kind of unfair, I think, to yeah, to yeah. have to um, to do it for so much less money. Um, mm-hmm. Not that it is, not that it's ever been just about the money, because clearly I it all tied in. I suppose to me, sort of taking that grade cut and that pay cut right back at the beginning to go and work on Doctor Who. <laughs> it felt so like they were yeah. asking they were asking me to do it again, but this time with absolutely no benefit at all to me. So, yeah, yeah. so I think it kind of it probably just sort of like kicked in at that point. Um, and <laughs> while I was I was lucky enough to get to write an audio for um, the Matt Smith Doctor right at the beginning, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which was which was good. So at least I kept my hand in. And um, I was sad not to write for Capaldi's Doctor, which is why when it came to do um, Star Tales, I was I, I sort of structured yeah. my Houdini one to kick off with Capaldi um, meeting him, and then Jodie's Doctor coming back and finishing that business. So I was able to uh, yeah. able yeah. to have written for all the uh, all the new series Doctors. So that was uh, that was cool. <laughs> That's a, that's, it's a it's a good thing to have on your CV, that's for sure. <laughs> my personal CV, yes. Yeah. Of course, yeah, that's it. Yeah, the, have it, you, have it, you... Oh, sorry, was, go oh, ahead. Oh, so did, did, oh, we, did oh, we have oh, a question conflict there, did we? Uh, well, Is mine this, was... It, it happens. Mine was about Ring of Steel. All oh, right, ah. okay, we'll come back to that. Because ah, yeah. I just wanted to ask, um, 
and, and you can tell me if I'm being an idiot here, but I don't think you've written for any of the previous Doctors, or have you? What, the um, the past Doctors? The past Doctors, yeah. Um, I don't think I've written whole novels for them, but I've written short, story. short stories yeah, for, yeah. for, short for a fair few, things. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because what one of the things I I like I was looking at um Alistair Reynolds's book and Stephen Baxter's book. Now, you know, those sort of sci-fi writers coming in and mm. writing a Doctor Who story. Mm. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed about your particular s- novels, Steve, mm. is they have um a lot of that really grand sci-fi kind of um element to them. Because I remember the, the, the first one of yours I read Reading back to the back to the Eighth Doctor adventures, I think it was that parallel fifty nine actually, and it it struck me as, and don't take this the wrong way, right? I mean it in a good way, but kind of like an Andy McNabb novel, but sci fi, right? In that I mean all the all the the military hardware has a has a sort of solid feel to it. You know, there's hmm. serial numbers, there's gauges on the ammunition, that sort of thing. It gives it a kind of reality. And I, I, I kind of like that sort of stuff. You know? Yeah, well, I, I, I do too, I think. That's probably, you know, yeah, when I ended yeah. up doing the Young Bond books, I was able to take some of that. Yeah, that, I'm going to ask you about those. That, yeah, yeah, that Ian yeah. Fleming, um, you know, yeah. precision and, and yeah, the, getting into the detail of it to uh, just to add mm, add a, yeah. an element to it all. Yeah, I've always enjoyed that, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's it. So the thing with, with, with Reynolds and Baxter there, what they do is they, they kind of apply that retrospectively to some of the older Doctors. So I think they're the second and third Doctors, respectively, aren't mm. they? So w- would you consider doing such a thing yourself? Would you pitch it? Would you decide it was a good idea to do? Or is it like, do you know what? Nah. We don't we don't do that anymore. The uh, the whole Doctor Who book thing now is we're back in Target novels and that's the end of it. Oh, I don't know. I think there's always you know something you know new to do. I mean, getting Tom Baker to write the Fourth Doctor, mm. I think was was a fantastic coup. Mm, you know, absolutely, it was, yeah. it was brilliant to actually get to to do that. Um, and uh, if we could find you know a way of presenting. A past doctor in a way that was fresh and new and exciting, mm. um, using a particular writer, perhaps um, that would be that would be very cool. Um, but I think, yeah, it needs it needs you know a, a decent handle to to hang mm. it up on um, to make it to earn its place. I think uh, every every Doctor Who book, when you've had so many, every new Doctor Who book has to you know come out and and add and and bring the requisite joy to yeah. as many people mm. as as possible uh, i mean i would love to see more um more old old doctors doing stuff that was for me it's mm. part of the fun of of doing things like the target storybook and getting colin baker to write for his doctor getting yeah, yeah, matthew yeah. waterhouse to write for adric you know <clears throat> it was yeah, um yeah very exciting to uh to, to go back and actually get the actor's uh perspective on some mm. of their uh, on their characters well, and of that, course, we had um, Sophie's novel, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, um, let's let's talk about that now. And mm. I had another another question, so I must must come back to that. Um, but um, yeah, we spoke to Sophie a little while ago, didn't we, Paul? And uh, we did. Well, we we turned the podcast into a mini uh, quiz show for that one, didn't we? The uh, corners to it corners. was like a dream come true, Steve. Yeah. It was. <laughs> That's I'm what it jo- was like for me. I'm not joking. I've always when I wanted say, to meet Sophie. Paul had a sparkly gold jacket. I did. I did have yeah. the jacket on. Yeah, he, he said, I, I, I'm, 
Yeah. But anyway, he said, don't, don't, don't judge me, he said, and he dis- disappeared under the table, and I thought, oh my God, what is he doing? And he came out in a sparkly gold jacket and his quiz show voice. I did. Well, but <laughs> and we I didn't know. No, no, the world has missed out happened, on yeah. this, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, at Childhood's End was, was just, it, it was great that, you know. The, oh, we, the, we're big fans of that, aren't we, Jeff? Yeah, we love that. Big, big fans, yeah. yeah. So t- 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 tell us about that, Steve, and how that all came about and what it was like working on that. and well, we wanted to. Um, sorry, I caught. I was just trying to think. How how did that start? I mean, I've got uh, I've got the poster of the cover on my wall there, not that you can see. Um, and your yeah, so, card, yeah, good. Card. So I am um, Sophie. Very kindly signed my uh, cover sleeve after we <laughs> oh, chatted. Nice. I sent it over and got very it signed. Nice. Just really I nice. I think I think we were looking to think of um, of after doing uh, Scratch Man, doing Tom, thinking yeah. you know who would be good to do this. It had to be someone who wanted to uh, to be writing um, and Mike Tucker of course had worked with Sophie mm. on the uh, Ace book back in the mm. 90s um, and I had worked with Sophie several times uh, the very first short trips collection we did at the BBC I got her and Nick Courtney to read um, so you've got Ace and the Brigadier reading all the uh, the stories out that was cool and I would see Sophie at conventions and and catch up she was always very friendly and we always mm. got along well um, and so we asked her if she would be interested because, of course, you know, it's like Ace was there at the end of the classic series and really yeah. passes the baton on to the, you know, the modern companions. And we thought that it would be quite interesting to uh, to have because the Seventh Doctor was so different from Jodie's interpretation, mm-hmm. you know, of... Or was it? That was what we. Uh, that's why we wanted to go. You know, cause we go from this arch manipulator to this uh, yeah. doctor that wears their heart on their sleeve. You know, and so mm. how would Sophie get along? Um, you know, and you know, so much has been, so many stories been written about Ace and what happened to her and how she ended up. You know, she's been killed. Yeah. She's been blown to bits. She's been sort of like sent across the uh, the galaxy, become a tough yeah. space mercenary, or she's just. Gone back home and yeah, or she's exactly training on Gallifrey, or she's actually just running a running a multinational corporation uh, on Earth, you know. So you pay your money, you take your choice, really. I mean, there's this uh, it's infinite multiverse of possibilities. But um, we sat down with Ace. Uh, I remember sitting Mm. down with her in um, uh, a chocolate shop in Wendover, and uh, (laughs) as you do, because why not? Because why not? Because you can have a hot chocolate, and they give you little chocolates on a tray. And oh, was yeah. saying, you know, what would what would you uh, like to do if if you uh, could yeah. bring Sophie back? What would she, which uh, Ace back? What would she be doing? And um, you know, it all grew from those discussions. And I was going to mm. get uh, just Mike to to work with her, but then um, he became busier, and so I thought, you know what? Because I'd help sort of like you know, work out the storyline. I thought it makes sense mm. for me to uh, to help Sophie and Mike together. So yeah, yeah. so between yeah. us all, we um, we had a lot of fun working quite closely on it um and then a, a very very jolly uh, time when it was all all finished so yeah yeah it was it was it was good stuff um and we enjoyed that a lot um as as you know so was the alex kingston book as well of course that was wonderful yes. working yeah yeah with as well yeah um thank god for so, lockdown really because she had the opportunity to yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. you know so many so, so many people got the chance to actually write yeah. as they'd always dreamed of yeah. writing. yeah um, so I've just thought of another question, but I was just going to say after reading um, At Childhood's End, and, and now of course, you know, Sophie is coming back to the show 
in mm. you know in a couple of months, which is which is very very exciting. Mm, um, and she said that she's she's written something else, which is coming out September time. Is it? So um, <laughs> my my question is: Are there any plans for any other show uh, alumni to write that you know of? Well, stay tuned. You can use code to, to not tell us. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would hope so. I would hope there would be, but there's. Um, you really have to uh, to wait and see. Um, oh. There are. <laughs> You know, we, we've we've had some offers and they've been lovely offers, but um, yeah. it sort of it needs to kind of work with with what the show is doing. So um, we'll, you know, and and what the general approach to everything yeah, is. Yeah. And obviously, it's a, a time now, um, very exciting time with uh, with uh, the change of producers and the 60th coming up, hot on the heels of mm. the uh, BBC centenary. Yeah. So there's there's all sorts going on, but. Um, who knows? You shall have to. Uh, maybe I'll come back some one day. I shall get back, and I shall. Uh, I shall tell you. I shall come back. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, Until that, then, that there must be no. Like yes, a... sir, yeah. <laughs> no regrets. That sounds like yes, a, a good promise to us. Okay. <laughs> um, so tell us a bit about Time Lord Victorious. So uh, that <laughs> oh, was yeah. that God, was so an much, epic, that? wasn't it? That was an epic. Say again. Like, yeah, yeah, that was an epic. Um, I just sorry, there's been so much, hasn't there? So much, so much Doctor Who stuff. It's, it's been huge, um, isn't it? Because uh, I guess something like Doctor Who, with all the different spin-off media, it just gives it a, a new. Th- th- there's a new energy coming along every couple of years or so, isn't mm. it? There's always yeah. something to kind of tap into, to change, to run along with, to you know, to move with. So yeah, it's very true. Um, yeah, title of Victorious. The uh, the the notion was was pitched to BBC Books and Albert mm. and I were considering what to do and we decided we would do two novels to, uh, to tie in with it and we felt that the novels actually got you know, some, some quite juicy stuff to do. We kind of slightly kicked it off and slightly closed it off as well. Um, yeah, the, the um, villain Watson in there was was so good. I, I, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the name. I'll leave that up so, to you, so Steve. The, but the, I, I remember Jeff texted me very, very excitedly when he started reading that that, that book. You were that, really taken by it. Was that the, the oh, Couture? Yeah. Is that well, yeah, yeah. The Couture? There might be a Couture for all I know, but um, yeah. I'm sure. Let's ask, let's <laughs> ask Rose. Let's ask Rose will tell her. Yeah, she'll yeah, tell us say, what the maybe, the maybe one day they'll get referenced in the show and you'll <laughs> Yeah, you'll be. They were a brilliant creation. I thought they were. Yeah. You know, and I, I can't take any credit for for those other than I was lucky enough mm. to get to to bring them to life. But um, James and the and the James Goss and the team at uh, uh, BBC Studios put together Brian the Ood and the mm. and uh, the idea of the dark times as a as a means of proliferating yeah. stories. And um, I basically. Um, it's one thing having you know a race that go around shortening you know or deciding determining lifespans for all the creatures in the universe, but then sort yeah. of like turning that into a story and actually looking at how they do it, that was that was where the challenge lay, and that was what I was able to do with um, with some of that book. I mean, the first draft of it was very different, and frankly, mm. not that great. <laughs> so it needed uh, it needed uh, it needed a, a lot of editing. So I think. James yeah. had a vision, a vision of it in his head, and I'd had another vision. But actually, he quite different. Been, exactly, and he'd been working across the other media and kind of knew mm. um, he wanted to uh, to simplify yeah. certain aspects or like preserve other other bits of it. So went through and uh, and changed quite a lot of that. Um, and then um, 
it was a very collaborative approach again with uh, Una's All Flesh is Grass. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Which, uh, which obviously took the story onwards from the uh, the big cliffhanger at the end of... Yeah, the, the two books were sort of the... the I always felt that, that was like they were the main chunk of the whole Time Lord Victorious, you know, a story, mm. weren't they? And the, and they were the, the other essential like, bits you had to read. That, really, that was yeah. it, yeah. If, if you were going to get involved, you, you had to read those. And then, you know, the, the audios with eight, for example, were, mm. you, you know, connected to it, but you, but you could get the kind of crux of it in, in the two books, I thought. Um, yeah, you know, the, it was, kind of, was, like it was a challenge to try and get across stuff of the Eighth Doctor and uh, one of those interludes without giving away where they were, what was happening, <laughs> how, yes. uh, how much he knew of anything. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those. Yeah, you, you're always sort of like jumping through a few hoops to try and uh, preserve the yeah. uh, the, ti- the timey wiminess of it. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was good. I, I challenge went... though. Yeah, it was. It was I again across like... all the different media, making sure the stories at least kind of yeah. sort of tied in. Yeah, it, it it was. It must have driven James to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He he, he probably felt sorts. like kept. Ke- he felt like Kevin Feige for a while, you know. Yeah, imagine so. Yeah, interconnected stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, Were you I, sort of privy but, to each other's stories? Then did you kind of know where everyone else was going with their with their stuff? Um, to a degree, and as much as I needed to know to to do mine, yeah. you know, um, I was, I was, uh, well, I think I was shown um, Simon Garrier wrote a short story with the the Kotura and the Ainley Master, I think, for something uh, being yeah. finished related, yeah. and I was shown that before I started to get to get a steer on on how he was presenting them but you know that was that was at a very different stage in in, in their timeline mm. i think and so i was able to do a bit of, a, of different stuff with it and actually go right into their their origins so to speak so yeah it was good it was written during um the first lockdown so i, I think mm. i had uh, a bit of extra extra time to lose myself and it's labyrinthine madness um and uh, and just about make it out the other side it was, uh, I, I did. Um, I did time fracture earlier in the year, and Brian Nude is is in there, isn't he? Um, yes. So that that was quite quite fun. Yes, I did. Him. I did time fracture with, uh, with with James. Actually, it was it was great because James was able to uh, to to tip me off where to stand to get you know a special thing to happen. Oh. So I had, I had like an inside, inside an inside. Yeah, that was it was very good. It was very good. I was very I was very grateful for that. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. Really good fun. We yeah. obviously need to tap up James Goss, Jeff. That's what we need. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we'll uh, yeah we'll have a word. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We we uh, I went with my wife. She she's not into Doctor Who, uh, but still married. But you know, um, and uh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, and um, we went to the to Time Fracture, and um, there's a bit where uh, like a. A lady's trying to sell you tickets to go on an intergalactic cruise and stuff, mm. and then the the um, Gallifrey agent comes in. There's a fight with a you know pig alien, and then and then a Cyberman comes in, and uh, you know everyone's got to flee. And uh, my wife ended up running up a ramp to to get away, and she turned around thinking I was behind her, but there was a Cyberman coming at her with its arms out. <laughs> she said, "Actually, she just you know shit herself for a moment." Um, and then uh, we we had to get out of the room as it was still you know going around. It was it was so well done. It was it was really I, good. I, th- I thought um, you were going to say she went home with a Cyberman after all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's she gone? We've been waiting for you. Oh, it would have been yeah. a way to end yeah. it, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she left. That's a sun headline, isn't it? She left me for a side, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, Time Lord Victorious. What what was the sort of um, you know putting ten at the front of it was there any sort of particular reason behind that, or you know well, was, rather than another Doctor? I think it was. I was surprised that it wasn't you know sort of like Jodie leading it all. Um, mm-hmm. but I think they wanted to um, just to leave the Jodie era sort of separate and in television, so to speak, rather than right. to uh, to pitch her against other Doctors. At that time, I think they wanted to perhaps keep um, keep her with the, you know they were kind of bringing in you know, new doctors and mm. rocking, rocking our worlds in terms of you know the the doctor's origins. So I think it was it was really oh, to yeah. make it make it make it a kind of a you know a, the uh, the earlier TV doctors. So um, I think ten yeah. because obviously such a hugely popular character um, mm. and uh, bring in eight and nine. So you got you know eight, nine, ten. Why not? Yeah. Um, give McGann a bit more to do, and uh, yes. utilise him mm. on um, on Big Finish, and um, yeah, and have some have some fun with uh, with Eccleston's version. Obviously, before he came yeah. back to the part, yes, um, it was a yeah. way of, uh, of extending his reach. So yeah, it was, well, I, I remember it was really um, he, it, his announce his announcement of returning to or coming to Big Finish. It kind of coincided with with some of Time Lord Victorious, and I remember at the time thinking, oh, I wonder if he's actually gonna do you know an audio mm. or something for it there was a bit of talk about that at, at the time but obviously you know big finish and you know bbc books is kind of separate stuff so it didn't, mm. it didn't happen but yeah it was you know it was exciting to think oh you know maybe and then obviously mm. it's glorious yeah. glorious big finish return you know um yeah, so uh, i've got we've got some more questions here Stephen. i've got uh, another uh, doctor who one to uh, to come back to in a bit but let's talk a bit about astro sores Yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> Let's talk about Astrosaurs. Why not? I remember I was, that was, uh, I think I was starting work on that around the same time as starting Monsters Inside, um, in fact. Yeah. So I remember, um, yeah, I think I mentioned it to, to Russell when uh, we were, that day in terms of other stuff that, that we had on. Um, yeah, Astrosaurs, was a while ago, I think 2004, I think I, uh, I wrote the first the first titles in that series, and that was the the series that kind of launched me on my um, on my career as as mm. writing my own fiction and not for other people's characters mm. because um, I was still doing quite a lot of editorial stuff. I was still writing essential guides to Shrek or Thunderbirds annuals and things like that, and you know no, enjoying right. myself very much. But um, I'd written Astrosaurs as a bit of a placeholder because I'd had some. Mm. I, I saw myself as being this you know, like boldly original young adult author um, and wrote my boldly original sample chapters of my boldly original young adult novel and had them boldly and unoriginally <laughs> turned down um, but you know with, with lots of positive uh, positive noises that maybe we'd very, very much like to see yeah we'd like to see the, the next thing you know um, mm, yeah. and my agent, my agent said I think you'll have to write the whole thing next time because it would have been if you had written it all people would have seen what you had planned yeah. for rather than yeah, yeah. that and I said well how am I I can't really take without the, take the time yeah, to, to, yeah. to do an entire novel and then risk it not selling yeah. so I wrote yeah. something shorter mm. based on an idea that I'd had since I wrote some books about walking with dinosaurs some years before and yeah. sent that off just to remind people that I was out there and to my amazement that was the one that sort of took off there were three publishers wanting to turn that into a series of books i couldn't believe it oh wow um yeah. so you know uh went with random house because i think they were offering four yeah. titles and the others were offering three um and that led to the start of a of a of a long 
partnership with them. We did uh, yeah, 20, yeah. 22 astrosaurs and 12 wow. cows in action books and eight slime yeah. squads and eight astrosaurs academies slime with prequel squads. series. Oh, yeah, there was all going on. Cyber poos and all Z- that kind absolutely, of thing. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Z-Rex and stuff. And you can see in some of those, yeah. uh, some of those early astrosaurs, you know, I think, yeah. uh, I mean, I wrote one, you know, called The Seas of Doom. You know, I mean, how close can you get? To, you know, oh, yeah, yes. to the old... it's, a, it's a typo. It's got to be done. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, you know, Escape uh, into terror. Yeah, well, that sort of thing. There's, I think chapter one is like the nightmare begins or something, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really sort of going through my, uh, all the Doctor Who stuff and putting in little sneaky references Brilliant. when you can. Um, so is it still going, the, the series? No, no, I stopped it quite a while ago. Um, right. When you get to, you know, you've done 22 of them, and then we did the crossover mm. with Astrosaurs and Cows in Action, it reaches a point where, you know, you don't want to start repeating yourself, and 22 mm. is probably enough for anyone to be getting on with. Um, although, uh, you know, it would be looking back, the fact I'm still very proud that, you know, the most yeah. of them are still in print, um, you know, 17 years later, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe one day, who knows? But the thing is, with, as a, as a writer, original fiction, of course, you have to um, you have to reinvent your job um, periodically. <laughs> you have to basically keep doing the same thing without ever repeating yourself. So you have to kind of, <laughs> and hope that um, nobody notices. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So you have to uh, you know just keep pushing yourself into different areas, different yeah. uh, genres and styles, and uh, and see what happens. But you know, well, I've always you've got done a very that soft spot. Uh, quite recently by taking up the mantle of young James Bond, haven't you? I mean, yes. Look, Look! Look at the way we've just flown into that. It's, it's like we what scripted this. Yeah, that was yeah. Beautiful. What a segue! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you're you're a Bond fan, aren't you, Paul? Oh man, yeah, yeah. I, I I love my James Bond, and but bizarrely, I only recently came across the um, the young James Bond uh, series, and I started. Um, I, I have to admit, I haven't read any of yours yet, Steve. I'm reading them sequentially, and I'm just with on Higson, the yeah? Charlie the Charlie Higson ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, I was just so going to say, I, I remember seeing one it, years ago, and and you know, so Charlie Higson on it. I thought the, the guy from the Far Show, nice. Oh, you know, Charlie and, Higson uh, wrote loads. He's yeah, wrote loads but he stuff. has. My, yeah, Freya Freya reads, uh, and she's been reading um, the the the, the, the zombie ones, the, the, the apocalypse. Yeah. The Enemy, that's yeah. it. She read all of those. It's taken yeah, about three years to get through them all. But I was kind of reading them with her. We were sort of reading them to each other. And I had the same thing as you, Jeff. It's like, Charlie Hickson, the fast show. Yeah. Actually, he did that one, did he? <laughs> no. He did the other stuff. But, you know, yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's a cracking run. And, it, yeah, yeah. and as a big James Bond fan. So getting to the point of it, right? So I, I was um, in the pub with a journalist friend of mine who is also a massive, massive James Bond fan. Oh. Bigger even James Bond fan than I am he knows everything about everything and puts me to shame um, but he was his argument was that the Steve Cole books are actually far better than the Charlie Higson books he was saying oh, I well, said really and I tried to go with it I said because yeah, I, I, I knew your name Steve having been a Doctor Who fan for years and years but I didn't want to admit to my journalist friend that I wasn't even aware at that moment that you'd written any of the young James <laughs> Bond books I think, <laughs> which I, think, I felt deeply ashamed about but. I think I think your friend was just trying to be controversial you know <laughs> he does tend to do that a lot but you know it's it's um i, I, I don't it. think we we kind of hit on why exactly but um damn but you could have told me certainly you know yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, it was right. uh, it was how, how did that come about then um it, it came about because um 
I was uh, I was asked. I remember mm. December 2012. Um, the phone went, and my agent said, "How would you like to, you know, be the writer of the Adventures of Young James Bond?" And I said, "I think someone's yeah. already, already doing that, aren't they?" You know, because I knew Charlie had been writing them, and I knew they were very good. I'd read a couple of them. Um, and it turned out that Charlie hadn't written any for uh, for quite a while. Mm, uh, mm. His last one was 2005 or something. It was it was also, it was a long time ago. A while um, back, yeah. yeah. Um, and they were looking to redo the series. Uh, Random House were doing it, and yeah. would I be interested in in trying out for it? You know. So I mean, I'd written uh, a, a couple of books called Tripwire, which is about a teenage um, bomb disposal expert. They were written. Yeah. With, um, mm. With Major Chris Hunter, who was, um, who was, uh, you know, had been a bomb disposal expert um, mm. all around the world, won the Elizabeth Medal. I mean, it was a very interesting guy to work with, um, and was like the real life James Bond. You know, I mean, he was always doing things like, you know, yeah, climbing yeah. down from helicopters over the uh, ocean and swimming across and liberating hostages and stuff. That was kind of like oh, one of the day's that's, work. That's how then, I get you know. to work every day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's the same old thing. Stick for a laugh on a Sunday <laughs> yeah. morning. Yeah, that's right. So I think they saw that and they realised I could write the action stuff. And um, yeah. and I was I went along to meet uh, the good people at Ian Fleming Publications yeah, um, and yeah. discuss my approach. Um, it was always going to be a series of four books because so I was asked right at the beginning to have a story arc that would cover those four titles oh, okay um, yeah. so it was kind of conceived as a, like a limited edition um, and so I had my uh, my plan and wrote up some sample chapters and then mm. they I was invited to meet the wider Fleming family at their private bank in Piccadilly um, oh, wow. and we sat around the table yeah. with uh, drinks and I felt that if I if I said the wrong thing, they'd press a button in the middle and uh, the chair would <laughs> tip back into the, yeah into the, into the piranha I'm, tank. I'm very go. badly burnt. That's my right. Legs yeah, are broken. The yeah. Mutated sea bass with uh, yeah. laser beams for their eyes. Freaking sharks with laser beams. <laughs> no, no, no. It's gonna be it's gonna be deadly oysters. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the clam creature from the caves back yeah. to get me again. Um, so <laughs> they luckily they they liked where I was coming from with it and um, yeah, yeah. and we did uh, we did the four books and it was it was uh, it was great fun to do lovely to you know to add mm. my uh, my own footnote to a, to a character like Bond to mm. have written you know, you know yeah. offic- officially for uh, for Bond to be able to take some of the yeah. some of the, um, the the scraps and uh, little bits of evidence <laughs> from Fleming's own novels of Charles of James's mm. childhood. Um, Things that you know he remembered of being a boy, you could actually then write happening to the boy as it was as it was going along. Because obviously, yeah. normally with a with a character, mm. you know their past, but you you don't know where they're going. But with this, it's the opposite. You it's the you, reverse, you, exactly. Yeah. You know what he's going to turn into, and so you know the poor bastard <coughs> is going to go through some horrible stuff to be able to. But that's part of the fun of writing it, though. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or reading it rather, you know. So you, well, being you able sort of to lay come up with these little stuff. clues in. Yeah, and you can mm. basically say, you know, what happened to make you able to switch off your moral compass to the point where you will kill people <laughs> for yeah, your income, yeah. you know, and that's acceptable yeah. to to murder someone <laughs> as long as it's done professionally. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's quite an extraordinary thing we think of bond as a hero but you know he does, mm. he does kill a lot of people yeah yeah um, he does. We yeah, to, a high body count yeah and we yeah. start to think yeah. of the uh of the consequences i think that's what uh, we, we were referencing austin powers earlier but i think that you know obviously that's yeah. that's occurred to mike myers as well in terms of 
you know, no, yeah. one, no one ever thinks about the family of a henchman, you know, and it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but it's also right. a, they get that that phone call, don't they, in in the first film? Yeah, yeah that's right. It was in, in the uh, in the bar at the uh, the, the, the uh, stag do or whatever, and it's yeah. just been yeah, <laughs> yeah. flattened by a lawnmower by a land roller or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, but it's it's interesting then to to yeah obviously because you're doing it Fleming style, so everything is much more real mm. and. Uh, the third book, I felt able to get a bit more fantasy, and that's my Bond steampunk novel, um, oh, okay. with a kind of a, a '30s version of the Iron Man suit. Uh, yeah. gets in. We, we start creeping into the realms of extreme possibilities. <laughs> um, but then again, um, I, my my argument is that you know, Fleming was 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 doing sort of similar stuff with all the uh, the voodoo, yeah, absolutely stuff you get yeah. in in Living at Die, yeah. and you get the um, mm-hmm. and the idea that uh, you know predestination is 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 a is a thing and. Uh, and also, you know, some of the uh, some of the plot elements of um, On a Magic Secret Service are mm. like an episode of the Avengers in terms of the, the slightly yeah, surreal yeah. Uh, sort of fantasy overtones. So, yeah. I felt, you know, it was it was it was good getting to uh, to grapple with with Bond. Very different from Doctor Who, in as yeah. much as Doctor Who's sandpit um, is yeah. a very very wide place full of many sands and many toys, whereas mm. James Bond inhabits his own particular world and you yeah. you have to you have to treat him with uh, with the right style and the right care um and uh, you know he's he's very preciously guarded so you need to be um, we had, um, very true with him we 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 had um a, a question from one of our twitter followers john porter at js porter 1966 who who wrote in to ask how did you find writing young J- uh, james bond were there any restrictions so aside from what we just talked about were there anything that you weren't allowed to to, to write about was 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 did they want to see your manuscripts and make loads of changes to it before they oh, sent yeah. it to the publishers yeah. Or, yeah, yeah of course yeah um because i was actually contracted by Ian Fleming Publications who uh, then yeah. sold the book on to um, to Random House or then Penguin Random House mm. when Penguin uh, took over just about just before we even started with the first book um, yeah. so yeah I mean obviously I I wouldn't have like you know decided to, to set it in the 80s instead you know because this is yeah. this is a bond that's tying into Ian Fleming's novels Bond, mm, mm. so and he has to be a certain age in the fifties and the sixties because the uh, novels, yeah. of course, were contemporaneous, and so it was really kind of like following on. So I, it wasn't like I was looking to reinvent the wheel. I I, I knew mm. I was getting him when he went to Fetis College, but I didn't want to start off in the way that Charles has started off with him going to Eton. Um, yeah. It would be very difficult to start him off at Fetis without repeating that. So I made the first two stories take place over the summer holidays, and then. Mm. And then actually have him fairly well settled into Fetis College um, by the time of the third book, um, and that was all. You know, I, I kind of ran it past IFP yeah. and the uh, the board um, throughout. Um, so yes, there were, and they were. You know, they would approve the storylines and they would make changes and they would request certain things were taken out. Um, and I would, generally, I was I was happy complying with them because I understand yeah. the strictures of working for with uh, with license. Mm licensed characters um and you through those you know through that tight governance it pushes your creativity a little harder to mm-hmm. to make sure that it's mm-hmm. as different as it could be there's a character in the fourth book i did called mimic and mimic i was desperate to get him into a young bond story i he starts off <laughs> starts off being there in heads you die but then i completely redrafted that and then he was going to turn up in strike lining but there wasn't really enough for him to do so right. eventually in red nemesis mimic gets his gets his his chance um 
and so you know they I made no secret of the fact that I wanted to get Mimic into a book and I think the, the Flemings yeah. were quite happy for him to, to get there too so we would yeah, it was it was like a two way thing really. We'd talk about plans, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. we'd always have a, a nice little party or celebration at the end of uh, of each book, and think about what we'd be doing next um, in line with that original story arc, which didn't really change too much over the uh, the four yeah. titles. I think as my confidence grew, I enjoyed it more. Um, it was quite nerve wracking writing the first one, Shoot to Kill. Yeah, was it? Yeah, um, because just like Doctor Who, um, Bond fans are not backwards and coming forwards to tell you <laughs> if they liked or didn't like something. Quite particular about yeah. And, yeah, and rightly so. You know, we, we all, mm. like any any fan of anything uh, has strong opinions or they wouldn't be fans. Yeah. Um, so, and you know you're not going to please everyone and you know also mm. you've got big, big shoes to fill. Um, but then at the same time, I was asked to write them because I would bring inevitably some sort of Steve Colness to it. I mean, originally I was yeah, saying, yeah. how much of Charlie am I bringing to it? How much of Ian Fleming am I bringing into it? Mm-hmm. And my editor said, well, you know, we, we've asked you to write it, so could you bring some of yourself yeah. to it, please? And, Do your um, thing. Yeah, 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 and yeah. just interpret. So that, that became easier with time. Um, and, yeah, I just... Yeah, you, you can only do your own take on it, really. And, uh, yeah, and, absolutely. And hope yeah, it goes yeah. okay. So, yeah, I was... I've been very, yeah, very lucky to uh, to get to work on um, such giants of popular culture yeah, as Doctor Who yeah. and Bond, and so. well, they are almost like the the two two of the biggest twentieth and twenty first century kind of iconic cultural yeah. landmarks, aren't yeah. they? You know, they started. I mean, in James Bond cinema, started around about the same sort of time as as Doctor Who on TV. Yeah, and yeah. and I found out I found out that in the in the script for Thunderball, there was uh, even mm. a Dalek reference. That was taken out. Uh, they, um, I think I'd heard that. Yeah, yeah they yeah, actually Doctor Who magazine or something. I don't know. I was looking. I was looking at a little video online that was that was listing it. But oh, it was right. it was essentially um, Bond sort of like summoned to this big wig meeting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. saying, you know, why is everyone here? And I think he says, I'm like the Daleks have invaded or something. You know, sort of <laughs> satirically. But and I think I think Connery actually spoke the line, or they redubbed it later on. Like someone's lost their yeah. dog or something because they were worried about not making. American audiences being confused by this Dalek reference because Doctor yeah, Who hadn't, yeah, yeah. hadn't been out there yet. But I think it's fascinating that uh, Doctor Who obviously took so much from the Bond movies and yeah, yeah. Bond as, as, as a character. It would have been quite amusing for uh, Bond to have taken just that tiny little line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. You got Bond mania, Beetle mania, and Dalek mania all kind of yeah. happening around yeah. the same sort of time. And... Yeah, for sure. Imagine so the box office if you combined all that into one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It'd be like a giant oyster. <laughs> yeah, of, an of oyster money. of joy. Oh dear, full of, so, full of many pearls. It would have been wonderful. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so we've got um, a question here from at Queer Thazzy on Twitter, and um, they're asking for an insight into your writing process and perhaps Ooh. some funny uh, and some funny or memorable moments from throughout your career as well. <laughs> well, there was that time. There was that time a bee flew in through the window, and uh, <laughs> and uh, another time we had, we, had a, we had a good one with with the uh, Tom story earlier, didn't we? So. <laughs> yes, exactly. There, there was that time I got a paper cut. But we weren't, we weren't going to go into that. That's, 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 um, that's the thing we're writing. But, it's quite an isolated, yeah. uh, lonely sort of profession. It can be. Ways, it, it can be. Yeah, but um, mm. it's uh, it's it's always nice when you can kind of like work with with people a bit, you know, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Justin and I would meet up sometimes and sort of like meet mm. in pubs and write together when uh, we were up against it. Um, mm. With um, <laughs> with Combat Magics, um, 
um, I uh, I remember quite often my process involves starting mm. off very slowly and miserably um, and then <laughs> and then slowly speeding up until by the end I'm sort of like racing along because the deadline yeah, is yeah, finally yeah. sort of breathing down my neck and I've got to finish the damn thing um, <laughs> and so what we would do with the Bond books I, without fail and it not it wasn't ever planned that way but it would always happen yeah. I would end up having to the last 24 hours was you know just ridiculously Intense. intense yeah so I just yeah. didn't sleep at all I would I'd would wake up at nine o'clock and I would write and I would write through the day breaking for meals and write through the evening and yeah. then I would write through the entire night uh, and then the sun would come up again and I was still writing and I would have to keep writing until I got to about midday and I'd written wow. eight to ten to twelve thousand words and the entire yeah. ending of the book and then I would I would send it off and crash and just you know and that'd be it but actually having that that Focus. You felt like you were living those you know, yeah. the finale with Bond because you were the adrenaline was going and you were like yeah, yeah. and you were yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it energizes the the writing it does writing it does. in real time for the yeah adventure, pretty yeah. much it was extraordinary um, but with um, Shoot to Kill I think I'd had uh, I'd had mm. quite a few very very late nights uh, with it and I remember I was actually that's the only time I've actually started writing in my sleep I've fallen asleep in my chair I was writing no um, yes yeah, I know um, <laughs> only for a sort of few seconds I'd wake, but I'd wake up and yeah. I'd find that I'd written written this line and uh, it was a bit at the end of, oh, my at the end of with your forehead yeah so just like repeated full yeah. stop it was, no, it was weird it was, it, was, it was actually you know there it was the words were there it's just only, yeah. only the, the mind behind it just drifted off and I had there's a character in um, in Shoot to kill the, yeah. the bad guys is kind of this big voyeur. Um, I think wears gloves in a bit of a Harrison Chase type. Yeah, yeah, wanna, yeah. You know, want, that's, keeps the world through a lens, one step removed. Um, and I, I just suddenly in my in my sleep, I wrote this bit where he pulled off his leather glove to reveal beautifully manicured, painted nails that he then <laughs> he then used to claw James's neck with. I think I wrote about three or four lines, and then there's there this moment I was thinking. Hey, that's that's brilliant. That's and good. then I suddenly yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. no, it's not. It's crap. It's rubbish. It's like it's <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, not true to the character at all. It's ridiculous. And sort of like sort of deleting it and sort of like yeah. carrying on doing something more more, more proper. But with Combat Magics um, being uh, about 2017, I probably wrote that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was so I was tired. It had been again trying to write it in time. It'd been a lot of, mm. lot of late nights. And there was this massive thunderstorm happening outside as I was writing the uh, the climactic scenes of Combat Magics, going over word length as I always always do. I always end up going writing too much and having to cut back. <laughs> but you know that that helps it keep it taut. You never it's never you yeah. know, never have to pad it out. It's always having to chop mm, back. Mm. But um, I think I got to about half four in the morning, and I thought, you know what, I'm not even going to write anymore tonight because I'm just really <laughs> bloody tired. Um, and I think yeah. I'll just go and watch the lightning instead. And so I sort of like I just sort of like put down the laptop and stood at the uh, door and stared out at yeah. the, the rain and the lightning and the thunder and thought, yeah, this is quite cool actually being up at this time and seeing this when everyone else is is asleep. Um, and then about five minutes later, I was asleep as well on the sofa. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I finished the rest. I think you know the next morning before just the last chapter. I just had to do the the clearing yeah, up yeah. chapter. So that yeah. was the last thing I did once I'd gone through and. Read it all. So, not a fascinating story. Um, person who asked the question. I'm sorry, but that was that was uh, how it was. But she did mention, I think, uh, Bitten Mane, uh, the yes. Attila, yes. Attila the Hun's horse, um, mm. and favourite character. Yeah, and I, I was, I liked 
Bitten Main as well. I thought that was a, I was pleased with his name. I quite liked that, and I was pleased with his Spin, role. Spin-off in material. Yeah, I think I think the horses of Doctor <laughs> Who is a, is a neglected <laughs> area. But if you think yes. about it, got that horse in the Reign of Terror that that does a lovely job. Yeah, you got the, the one on um, the girl in the girl in the fireplace. You got the Sontaran yeah. on a horse. Um, yeah, because he yeah. just wants to ride a horse. Yeah, yeah. love yeah. that. So maybe, <laughs> maybe if, if this little kind of like, if, if all the horses of Doctor yeah. Who sort of like got together and had an adventure, I think that would be really cool. Bit and Main could sort yeah. of like lead them because lead it. You yeah, know, it's got um, <laughs> clearly you, you could call the book, and I'll let you have this for free. You could call it horse <laughs> horse tales. Oh, <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say Doctor <laughs> Horse or something for a second. <laughs> Doctor Who Horse. Horse, exactly. <laughs> See, th- this is why we do what we do. Yeah. <laughs> you do what you do. Oh, I think horse tails sounds good for me. Uh, yeah. Every adventure starts off with someone saying, Why the long face? And then, yeah. oh, a horse. I got a long face. Yeah, that's the one. So, what are you working on next, Steve? I've been working with Wilbur Smith. The thriller writer. Oh, um, that's exciting. Yep, up to his uh, his sad uh, death late last year. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, working with him and an author called Keith Chapman, who uh, actually created Bob the Builder. Um, we've <laughs> been working together on uh, a trilogy um, work yeah. for Wilbur Smith. Uh, I've been working with um, Tim Peake, the astronaut, um, writing yes. some fiction with him. That's been very, oh, very cool, very exciting. It, it, what was, it, was he, he had one book out, didn't he? I went to see him talk uh, last year in Brighton with my, my did, wife. You did, didn't you? Yeah, yeah she, good, she's a big Tim Peake fan. I saw it in Oxford, yeah, that was, that was a good show. Yeah. Um, it's called yeah, Swarm I, I, Rising, the first one, and Swarm th- Enemy it, yeah, we, comes out in two days' time. In fact. Oh right! Oh, uh, oh great! I'll, uh, my son has been reading uh, the the first one, so um, I have to oh, get, get timing, the second one. Jeff, perfect time. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, just just uh, in time for the summer holidays. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's almost like planned this amazing. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is some scheduling you did there. Who yeah. needs Graham Norton? Just come onto the yeah. Who C Two C podcast. Absolutely. If you yeah. Plug. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you probably won't put this out now for another because it's. It's already over an hour and a half long. You probably have to put it out. Oh yeah, it's going to be Christmas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cut it yeah. down to like yeah, ne- ten next year. Yeah, <laughs> next year. Yeah. <laughs> In which case, I'll say, so, yeah, we've um, already done another seventeen books. It's great. It's yeah. a wonderful success. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I've just got one one more question because uh, we, we've um, you know probably taken up enough of your time. But um, yeah, it is an hour and a half, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, this is one of the spe- longest ones yeah. we've done. We're, but it's it's we're all, flown we're all by older, nicely. We're all changed. It's, it's good. So, if <laughs> if you could write for any doctor Ooh. now, who who would it be? If the, if you know BBC Books said Steve, free you know blank page, oh, go that's for a it. Good question. Jeff. It's a good question. It's yeah, a it's a, I it's like a that one. and 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 what would happen in it as well? Oh, it's a mean, mm. it's a it's a mean question in many ways because obviously he, he does that, Steve. Yeah. He just pulls them out <laughs> like that. He like, weaponizes <laughs> questions. Yeah. Um, I would. I don't know. I mean, I I've, I I do genuinely love writing for for all of them. If I was mm. to write for one, well, no, I'd, I'd like to. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like I'm not quite done with Jodie. I'd like to do another oh, Jodie story. Um, really enjoy. Well, rules up for more Jodie stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely more thirteen. Um, and you know, I mean, I'd I'd love to write something for uh, for, for Shooty's Doctor at some point. I mean, that would be really exciting yes. as well because yeah. Yeah. it's it's such it's so wonderful the way the show always looks looks forward, even as it flirts mm. with its past. And uh, and I've 
always loved that about uh, about the show, and I think it, it kind of you know, sets a good good example for all of us in life as well. Look forward, but flirt with yeah, your past, right. you know, and sort of like take yeah. take uh, the best of what you've you've done with you, and, mm. uh, and have new adventures uh, wherever possible. So I would say, yeah, we'll we'll look to the future, and um, and maybe someday I'll be lucky enough to uh, to write for a future incarnation. We'll see. Uh, well, yes, I hope so. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, future's bright. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so, me too. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure, been a pleasure talking boys. with you. Thank and you uh, for, for our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed it as well. And um, we'll we'll keep in touch with you online. And um, you know, when you've got something new coming out, let us know, and we can you know tweet Please it out. Do. I will yeah. tell. Love tell to. Thank you very much. Tell everyone about it. Brilliant. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Steve Cole, everybody, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.